My first question for you this morning, does excellence matter to God? Does God care about quality? Does God care about quality? Is he concerned with how well things are done? Does it make a difference to God whether the instruments are tuned, the worship team has rehearsed the songs? Some would say no. All God cares about is our hearts. It's the thought that counts. God's not impressed with a slick program or flashy audiovisuals. What matters to him are internal things like love, compassion, and humility. And that's right. Partially. It's also partially wrong. God doesn't care about those things in and of themselves. God is primarily concerned with our hearts, but God does care about those things as an expression of our hearts. Because the way we serve God in our church, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our families, the way we live at our faith, the level of commitment we have to doing things well, to honoring God in every area of our lives, that reveals what is in our hearts. It's not the thing themselves God cares about. It's what those things say about our hearts. And I love the book of Proverbs and the wisdom it reveals. And Proverbs 15, 17 says this, Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. If all you have to offer God is vegetables, speaking metaphorically, obviously, and you prepare them with care and serve them with love, then God receives them in that spirit. But if you have more, if you have beef and ham and roast chicken, but you give little thought or care to what you offer God, then God will rightly see that as indicating a lack of love. I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say here. God wants our best, whatever that may be. Excellence in God's sight isn't being the best. It's being your best. And at All Saints, we believe that God cares about excellence. We believe that God deserves the best we can offer, and we believe that he desires our best, the best of our time, abilities, energy, strength, creativity, our best thinking and caring, our best efforts. Now, it's the last week of our God in the Music series, and I have saved the best for last. With it being Father's Day, I thought I would honor my dad and choose one of his favorite songs for the message today. And I really mean it when I say I saved the best for last. Let's go, Liz.
Tina Turner had many songs that could be considered her signature tune, but there was one that summed her up more than any other, the best. The best was written by Holly Knight and Mark Chapman. It was first offered to Paul Young, the singer behind last week's God in the Music song, Love of the Common People, but he turned it down. Holly Knight told Song Facts, it can be so many things and that's why it's taken on a life of its own. It can be a love song, it can be love for anything, but it's also very marketable and it, is a, and it has different trajectories depending on who is singing it and why they are singing it. I think when you find something, whether it's a thing or a person, when you finally find something that's the masterpiece of whatever it is, the best really describes that, she added. Part of me was writing it as a love song because I had someone in mind that I was writing it for, but we had no clue it was going to be a song that made the kind of impact that it did. In 1989, Tina Turner recorded a cover version of The Best for her seventh solo studio album, Foreign Affair. The song is often mistitled as simply the best, and this became so common that the bracketed word simply was included in the titles for some later album releases. But what can we learn from this iconic song? So of course, I headed back to Proverbs for some wisdom. Proverbs 3 verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. God desires and deserves the first fruits, the best of what we have to offer, our best efforts. He wants excellence. Why should we strive for excellence? We should strive for excellence because God is worth it. And if he deserves, he does deserve our best. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And then Revelation says to us in Revelation 4 verse 11, You are worthy, O Lord, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Have you ever given your best to someone whom you later found out didn't deserve it? employer, friend, husband or wife, religious leader, politician. That will never happen with God. He is worthy of our love and devotion, worthy of our worship, worthy of our labor. He's worthy of late nights and early mornings. He is worth making sacrifices for. He is worthy of giving things up for. Winston Churchill, in his first speech to the House of Commons, three days after becoming Prime Minister at the beginning of World War II, said these words, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and of suffering. You ask, what is our policy? I can say. It is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us to wage war against a monstrous tyranny, never surpassed in the dark, lamentable catalogue of human crime. That is our policy. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs, victory in spite of all terror, victory. However long and hard the road may be, for without it, victory there is no survival. Let that be realized. 
No survival for the British Empire. No survival for all that the British Empire has stood for. Even more than Great Britain, then South Africa, then America, then Australia, then India, then Russia, then Ukraine. God is worthy of our blood, our toil, our tears, and our sweat. He is worthy of our best efforts, our highest achievement. He is worthy of excellence. There are many causes to which you could devote your time and effort. Small causes, large causes, whatever that may be to you. Collecting stamps, rebuilding old cars, practicing medicine or law, climbing Mount Everest, I don't know why you do that, building a business, running for public office, raising a family, keeping your lawn well manicured, lowering your golf handicap, tutoring disabled children, reading Tom Clancy novels, staying physically fit, finding a cure for cancer, finding new galaxies, finding rare toy collectibles, the list goes on. And some of these causes are more worthy than others. But there is only one cause that is worthy of every ounce of work, devotion, labor, sacrifice, suffering, dedication. Only one cause that is worth giving our lives for every day. And that cause is serving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mount Everest will crumble. The galaxies will burn out. Empires such as the British Empire that Churchill fought to preserve will rise and fall. Toy collectibles will go the way of cabbage patch dolls and pet rocks. Your body will fall apart. But God and his kingdom are eternal. And those who serve him will be eternal with him. Colossians chapter 3 gives some interesting instructions for Christian households. So let's take a look. Reading from verse 18 to 25. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. No matter what we are doing, we are serving the Lord. It may appear that you are working for the government or a paint company or an accounting firm or a builder or an insurance agency or a software company or a retail store or a hospital, but you don't. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you work for him. The place where you work is just the specific location where you work for him the specific company in which you work for him. Think of it this way. That job is like your cover. You're an undercover agent for Jesus Christ. And this has implications. First, it gives the quality of your work new importance. 
If you're working for Jesus, then it matters how you do your job. He cares whether you're working diligently or goofing off. He cares whether you're doing your best or just getting by. He cares whether you're doing the right thing or just doing the easy thing. The quality of your work matters to him. Why? Because all honorable work done well as an expression of devotion to Christ brings honor and glory to him. Your conduct on the job either honors Christ or dishonors him. And he cares about that. John Gardner, former U.S. politician, said these words. The society which scorns excellence in plumbing because plumbing is a humble activity and tolerates shoddiness in philosophy because it is an exalted activity will neither have good plumbing nor good philosophy. Neither its pipes nor its theories will hold water. The second thing is it gives your work new purpose. Your job isn't just a way to make a living. It's an assignment from Christ. How will that job be done differently because it's being done by a Christian? What difference does your presence make in the workplace? Can anybody tell the difference? When you do well, do you give him the glory and the credit? Are your professional ethics guided by your faith? Or do you leave your Christianity at the door when you go to work? But what I really want to focus on is the reason Paul gives for why we should work wholeheartedly. Because we are working for Christ. Because we are working for Christ. If something is being done for Christ, then we should give it our best effort. Now, following Christ means that we should pursue excellence in our secular vocation. Doesn't it stand to reason that we should pursue excellence in the other areas of life as well? If even the most mundane type of employment deserves our best effort, then doesn't it stand to reason that we should strive for excellence in the church, in our families, our marriages, in our outreach, in our witness to the world around us? A follower of Christ should pursue excellence in every area of life because everything you do is done to honor and serve him. Why should we give God our best? Because God gave us his best. Romans 8:32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God gave the best he had, his own son, Jesus, to suffer and die in our place so that we could be reunited with him. And I'm sure the fathers in the room this morning would all agree that your most precious possessions are your children. God gave his best for us his own son, so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have eternal life. Nothing we can ever give him could compare with that gift. But he deserves no less than the best we have to give. So will you give him your life? 
my challenge for you this morning is this. Would you be able to sing the words of the best to God as a worship song? Would you be able to praise him as the best thing in your life? So I've taken some creative license and I've turned the words of the best into a prayer. They're on the screen and I'd really love you to pray them with me. So can we pray? Father, I call you when I need you. My heart's on fire. You come to me, come to me wild and wild. When you come to me, you give me everything I need. You've given me a lifetime of promises and a world of dreams. You speak a language of love because you know what it means. And it can't be wrong. Father, you take my heart and make it strong. You're simply the best, Lord. Better than all the rest. Better than anyone. Anyone I've ever met. I'm stuck on your heart. I hang on every word you say. Don't tear us apart. Lord, I would rather be dead. Amen.